Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. I'm Chloe Langer. Pope Francis writes, Joy springs from a grateful heart, and from remembrance of the amazement which our encounter with Jesus Christ awakens in our heart. We live in a consumer-driven world. We are constantly being told we need this, you deserve this. But today's episode will remind us that gratefulness is a gift from God. We're going to be talking about how grateful living isn't just a new fad, it's not living like Pollyanna, it's so much more than the secular world gives us. And we're going to be digging into a way of gratefulness that the saints and Christian mystics like Julian of Norwich, St. Therese of Lisieux, Henry Nouwen, and Dorothy Day have dug into for centuries. I so enjoyed our conversation today on the subject of gratefulness. It's always such a good reminder especially in a world that kind of can bog us down with to-do lists. Gratefulness was just a really good reminder of how to live a joy-filled and a grace-filled life. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. We are welcoming to Letters to Women, Dr. Susan Muto. She is the executive director of the Epiphany Association. She is an incredible speaker, a beautiful author. She's a teacher. She's also the dean of the Epiphany Academy of Formative Spirituality. You may have met her through her previous writing. She wrote a book called 12 Little Ways to Transform Your Heart, which digs into lessons of holiness and evangelization through the eyes of St. Therese of Lisieux. But she's joining me today on Letters to Women to talk about her latest book, Gratefulness, The Habit for a Grace-Filled Life. So welcome to the show, Susan. We're so glad to have you on. Uh, thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you, and uh, we will have much to share. Mm-hmm. So to dig in, to, just to start off, for listeners who haven't encountered you, can you share a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? What a pleasure it will be to do that. Um, I feel so uh, blessed by the Catholic upbringing that I had in a small suburb of the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I was born, mm-hmm. and I really had a lot of uh, inspiration, not only from my uh, Italian-American Catholic family, uh, but also uh, from the grade school that I attended. And I can't help but remember, as part of the beginning of uh, gratitude in my life, uh, the first-grade teacher who became a lifelong friend of mine uh, until she uh, passed away at the age of 95. Mm. Interestingly enough, her name was Sister Gemma, and I credit her a great deal with my Catholic upbringing. Uh, She was the kind of um, young woman religious who wanted to instill in each and every one of us uh, as we were growing from the first grade, second grade, third grade, especially around our uh, reception of First Communion, a sense that uh, Jesus was close to our heart and that we had to always be grateful for what he had accomplished. Mm -hmm. She taught us this little prayer that I've never forgotten. Jesus, Jesus, good and kind, help my heart be like unto thine. Mm. So I I really remember that. I had a, a Catholic uh, grade school education as well as a high school education and then went on to uh, do my Bachelor of Arts degree with a double major in journalism and English literature at Duquesne University. So that was also uh, complementing my love for wanting to go a little deeper in the faith. And Mm -hmm. I I know that had a lot to do with God's uh, call to my life uh, to choose the vocation of a single life in the world, really uh, being free to minister to uh, those in need of help and also to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. So there's a lot more, but between the family witness and uh, really encountering beautiful souls like Sister Gemma, I feel that uh, I have not only loved my Catholic faith, but 
have uh, really uh, entered deeply into it year after year of my life. That's so beautiful. Yeah, so many beautiful examples of just gratitude and people living out their vocations so well. And I love how you're living out your vocation to the single life so beautifully in such a fruitful, like life-giving way. That's incredible. Well, I uh, just want to add to that yeah. point, you know, uh, that the call of the Lord on my heart, uh, it, it doesn't happen automatically. It requires a great deal of listening. But I must say that uh, the vocation to the single life by choice has been a, a beautiful um, journey in gratitude. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we go along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to dig back into, you were talking about just examples of, of gratitude in your life. In the introduction to your book, um, which was recently published with Ave Maria Press, you talk about your maternal grandmother and how she really inspired you also to live a life of gratitude. So can you tell us a little bit about your maternal grandma, how she inspired you to live gratefully, and how she also inspired you in this book? Well, no question about it. I mean, when I was uh, meditating on writing the book, and it had been a desire of mine for some time, ever since I co-authored several years ago with uh, Father Adrian von Kahm, a book called The Power of Appreciation, A New Approach to Personal and Relational Healing, mm-hmm. I felt that there was so much more to it. So as I began meditating on what constitutes, as the subtitle indicates, the habit of a grace-filled life, I had to ask myself, uh, who inspired this sense of the need for gratitude? And instantly, uh, my maternal grandmother, Elizabeth, uh, simply welled up from my heart. Uh, she uh, had every reason not to be grateful. She was imported into an arranged marriage with a man she had never met when she was 16 years old, immigrating from Calabria, southern Italy. Mm-hmm. Eleven children later, um, five of whom had died of various uh, childhood diseases. Mm-hmm. I only knew my beloved Elizabeth, uh, my nanny, as we called her, uh, for the first 13 years of my life. And yet, her whole demeanor somehow was lived, despite these hardships, these trials, these tribulations, with a, a gratitude that just radiated from her, her, her whole being. I remember growing up that whatever happened, and you know, life was difficult in many ways, mm-hmm. but when I look back on it, uh, she maintained what I later would call a breath prayer. Ah, oh, Dio mio, grazia, Dio mio, grazia. Thank you, God, for everything. And I think when I um, look back and, and learn more about her life, I could hardly believe it. And yet it occurred to me that the practice of this uh, little breath prayer, what I, what I identify in the book as a thank you prayer, mm-hmm. was her way of rejoicing in God's plan for her life, whether that plan asked of her to bear the cross, or the incredible joy she uh, derived from her wonderful gifts of cooking and homemaking and just uh, welcoming everyone and anyone in any uh, need at all from the whole neighborhood to dine at her table and appreciate her garden. So I really uh, feel strongly, and I know it came uh, to me throughout the writing, uh, we need living witnesses Mm -hmm. to something as challenging as remaining grateful and availing ourselves of that grace. And Elizabeth was my mentor in that regard. An illiterate peasant woman from Calabria Mm -hmm. was a mentor in the world of gratitude. 
That's incredible. You're right. It's it's so easy to be to be grateful when when things are going our way. The challenge of gratitude comes when when our plans aren't aren't working out, when God has different plans for our life, when when we're asked to carry a cross. So, how do we foster an attitude of gratefulness like despite the circumstances? Well, I think first of all, we must get away from any of the rhetoric that comes from what we might call pop or popular psychologism Mm -hmm. because it's often linked up with um, not only projects of self-salvation but uh, a a tendency to let us think that we on our own power alone can overcome uh, many challenges and dilemmas in our life and I think that uh, I found without a doubt that we have to go so far beyond Uh, being thankful for the good times, if we're going to understand the real challenge in our Catholic Christian life of being able to maintain that disposition of gratitude, quite frankly, at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a, a story of deep Christian commitment which cannot be uh, something that just comes to us like a project of Mm -hmm. self-help. In this book, it was very important for me to move completely beyond mere positive thinking, as if we can uh, have thankfulness in our head, uh, to let that disposition sink deep into our heart and to really be converted by God's goodness and God's grace uh, to a grateful life is much more than anything that I could ever do on my own uh, steam alone. It reminds me of St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians where he writes, you know, I've, I've learned to be content in, in all circumstances, whether I'm you know, full or I'm, I'm hungry, whether I have everything that I need or whether I'm in want. And it, it's a decision, too. It's not something that, that's based on emotions. Well, and speaking of St. Paul, in uh, 1 Thessalonians, we have uh, what I call little commandments, because he gives them to us using the imperative tense. Pray unceasingly, Mm -hmm. rejoice always, give thanks, do not quench the Spirit. And in our um, love for Holy Scripture and the writings of the spiritual masters, I always... um, counsel people to pay attention to the imperative tense. Mm. It it always often gives us a whole list of little commandments that we might overlook if we don't uh, understand how important it is to, so to speak, listen up. Try, at least try, to give thanks always and pray unceasingly. So those are beautiful directives. And certainly the Apostle Paul Uh, had to grow incredibly after his conversion to be able to uh, see all the reasons to thank the Lord. Mm -hmm. When we we don't have an attitude of gratefulness and aren't living the habits of a grace-filled life, it's easy to sink into negativity, but that negativity can affect a lot, including our relationships with ourselves, our relationships with other people that we love, those that we interact with, and our relationship with God, too. So when we're looking at our lives and we're desiring to live a, gra- a gratitude-based life, a life of gratefulness, how can we reflect on our own lives and see those things of negativity and then change our habits? Well, we have to appreciate the fact that um, negativity, which is very much related to depreciative rather than appreciative living, Mm -hmm. can really affect us for the worst, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Negativity is, quite frankly, uh, negating, negating the potential for some meaning coming out of even apparently meaningless situations, Mm -hmm. uh, really negating the 
best of us, which really hungers, longs for a good life, for a happy life, just like the soul longs for a relationship with God. So uh, there is much uh, research that backs up uh, the chapter that I write, uh, really um, asking all of us to be extremely careful uh, to try to shift from negativity, which is actually much easier to fall into. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's much easier to complain and grumble about everything than to find some reason to celebrate. So uh, negativity is an enemy of the grateful life, and I think that it's also uh, safe to say, because of the research I did in the writings of the spiritual masters, that negativity can be an opening to the demonic, Mm. uh, can create an inner climate of disgust and disgruntlement, and really uh, has a lot to do with a kind of low-grade depression. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if one um, puts oneself in a position where one sees no way out and even begins uh, a whole series of self-pity and blame and really ultimately uh, r- risking a downward spin to wholly depreciative living. And this is something that negates the very possibility of being uplifted by grace to see meaning, to celebrate even the smallest sign of life, uh, not to wake up in the morning with that tone. One has to listen to one's own language. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, another day. Yep. Instead of, oh, God, another day. <laughs> yep. You know, it's, 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 it's a real struggle, but it's worth uh, the tension between negativity and positivity to lean in a more positive direction. It, that makes sense. Like it's a being ungrateful is like a rejection of like even the smallest gifts that God gives us. Like, oh, it's sunny outside today. We're, we're sitting in Kansas. It, it can't decide whether it's spring or not. And so we have so many gray, snowy, rainy days. But there's so many, in some ways, there's like really beauty about that. But if you're caught in negativity, it's like, oh gosh, like will it ever be spring? It will never. And it's easy to get wrapped up in in an attitude of of ungratefulness. Absolutely. And, you know, the language of spirituality in my work in the field of formative spirituality, we talk about how language is the house of formation. Mm. And if your language is a language of denial or negativity or never really being able to uh, see even the potential beauty, yes, I'm looking out at Uh, brown and gray trees, Mm -hmm. but here's this first little sign of the green, and pretty soon (laughs) it's going to be beautiful, and look at that little crocus popping its head up out of the frost. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the way we speak, the way we look, the way we see, all of that has, uh, every reason to embellish the grace that is in us anyways for, for, living a grateful life. I mean, Mm -hmm. think of how many times Jesus must have said, I thank you, Father, for. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. we need to try to imitate his uh, celebration of Thanksgiving. And ultimately, Eucharist, what did he do for us? He took bread and wine and made it into the celebration of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's so true. I wanted to take a quick moment here to tell you about something really exciting. So almost a year ago to the day, I published the first three episodes of Letters to Women. And I had been talking to Jesus about this project for a long time, and he kept putting it on my heart. And in the past year, I can say that this Letters to Women podcast project has been one of the most life-giving, fruitful 
grace-filled and blessed projects that I have ever embarked on. So Letters to Women is celebrating her first year anniversary and to celebrate, I'm putting together a giveaway with the collaboration of most of the women who have been on this podcast in the past year. So it's going to be a giveaway that runs March 25th, which is a Friday through June 1st, which is the anniversary date of the podcast. And it's going to be a prize pack that is going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm so excited to share this with you. Just as a sneak peek, um, Sonia Corbett, who is on the podcast episode, A Letter to the Woman Who Wants to Read the Bible, is going to be giving a copy of Ignite, Read the Bible Like Never Before. Uh, Sarah Swafford, who just appeared on the podcast, is sending over a signed copy of Emotional Virtue. Samantha Pavlock, who is the founder of Fem Catholic, who appeared on A Letter to the Woman Wondering About Feminism, is giving away a Thank You Women Who Work coffee mug. And because you can't have this podcast without a cup of coffee, we're going to send you the winner two coffee mugs. And one of them is going to be from Every Sacred Sunday. Cassie appeared on to the podcast A Letter to the Woman Who's Bored at Mass. And so we're really excited for it. Keep an eye out on social media. You can find it on Facebook at Old Fashioned Girl. You can join my newsletter on oldfashionedgirlblog.com. You'll be one of the first to know. But one person is going to walk away with at least 11 prizes from the women who have been on this podcast. And we're so excited to share it with you. So thank you, listeners. We really couldn't do this without you. You have made this year absolutely fantastic, and I cannot wait to celebrate with you um, the next time that this next episode of this podcast comes out. Do you have any practical tips for for listeners on how to become more grateful in our everyday lives? And and are there any signs or you call these guideposts in your book, I love this, that we can look to in our life so that we can see that, oh, you know, I'm progressing on this life of gratitude. I'm continuing on this life of gratitude. Well, I try in several of the chapters to uh, list potential uh, signs and practical ways by which uh, gratitude can become second nature to us. You see, that's the Mm -hmm. idea, that gratitude is not just saved, for example, for Thanksgiving Day or when we receive um, a beautiful gift on a birthday, but that we begin cultivating a disposition or a virtue or an attitude of gratitude that lasts us even in the uh, difficult times. But a few of the signs that I lay out in the book, and all of them are associated with uh, practical ways of growing more grateful. For instance, I have my own little imperative. uh, Trust your story. Mm -hmm. And let others know that there are times in your life when you could hardly believe that something good came out of something that at first glance uh, did not look at all achievable. Uh, For example, um, I recently had a graduate of our Epiphany Certification Program in Formative Spirituality. In this case, um, a Catholic priest who, when he started the program, uh, just uh, announced to myself and another faculty member, I really don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Mm. And I said, well, Father, listen to what you just said. I, bad word, because... You alone can't do this, but Christ in you may be able to, and I don't think I'll ever be able to do this program. I said, I want you to move out of your head and into your heart. How much do you love the Lord? How much do you feel that he might be calling you to help others even more Mm -hmm. in the work of spiritual direction? He said, I have a sense that that's what he's asking me. I said, so let's change your language. Mm -hmm. Let's change the language to, I don't think I can do this program, to, with the Lord's help, he's led me into the course, and uh, he may see me through in ways that I can't even imagine. So 
yesterday when I handed him his diploma after three years of work, mm-hmm. he, he had tears in his eyes. Uh-huh. So you see, that's a story. We, we, we have to change our language and get away from this ego functional achievement and recognize that uh, the Lord will be with us showing us uh, many different uh, avenues of fullness and and holiness and joy, especially when we acknowledge in humility, I can't do this. So that's certainly a sign. Trust your story. Mm -hmm. And then I do something very practical, um, uh, maybe begin uh, keeping a little gratitude journal. Uh, It can be a, a very inexpensive little notebook but at the end of every uh, day just try to find one thing for which you were grateful for example my um, tank was on empty I didn't even notice it and I looked up and there was a garage right in front of me that Mm -hmm. I could pull in and get gas thank you Lord (laughs) do you see how simple it is to begin to recognize all these little things and to even jot them down Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I was in college, there was a, a point, I think probably during finals week or some test that I that I wasn't looking forward to where I had sunken into this, uh, you know, everything was, I was ungrateful for everything. And I someone had challenged me the same way and said, okay, what are you grateful for? Like, are you grateful for anything? And so I, a friend had challenged me to, you know, just walk across campus and name like 10 things that you're grateful for. And I was like, yeah. Lord, thank you for this friend that I just passed. Lord, thank you. And like by the end of that walk, I was in so much of a better spot and it was just getting myself out of this, you know, spiral of, of negativity. But yeah, the, the gratitude journal is such a practical, easy way just to even, in, yeah, in, to end your evening in a, in a form of gratitude. Well, just like people keep their calendar um, on their iPad, why not have a little um, segment where you actually name one or two of those things that mm-hmm. were symbols of the, of why um it's so much better to mark the grateful moments than to simply wallow mm-hmm. in negativity. Mm-hmm. I love that tip too, because one of the biggest inhibitors that I think in my life, uh, at least in my story to gratitude is the the excuse that I'm too busy. Like, oh, I'm too busy to be grateful. I'm too busy for a gratitude journal. I'm too busy to stop and, and, and just enjoy the gifts that God has given me. And so I love how practical that tip is. Well, yes, and you see, um, we can build um, a disposition of gratitude right in the midst of our everyday life. We don't have to go off to a mountaintop village or to a retreat center Mm -hmm. and have uh, three or four days of gratitude and then sink back into the (laughs) wretched, ungrateful practices when we leave the mountain. Mm -hmm. The great art is to uh, keep alive that thread that links us to God's holy providence and God's divine plan. Even, for example, to reclaim the busy schedule, the Lord understands these things. Uh, Lord, uh, the, the day is much more full than I could have imagined. But you know, from the very introduction to this book, I talk about a little moment. It was a true gift moment. Um, I was in one of those days where I was almost living in, in negativity and forgetfulness of the Lord, and I found my way into Um, a a, a nearby church and was trying to pray in a way that would help me uh, overcome this uh, downward spin. I wasn't having a lot of uh, success doing that. And as I was walking out of the church, I looked down and there in in uh, one of the pews toward the back was just, it looked like a holy card. No one was around. So I thought I'd pick it up and maybe, you know, put it in the back of the church. Mm -hmm. And the words on that holy card really pierced my heart. 
Thank you, Lord, for this new day. Thank you for this new day. Thank you that the uh, that my whole being, no matter how tiny, may be an embodiment of your eternal, infinite love for souls. Mm. That that prayer made so much sense to me. It takes exactly one second to say it. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for this truly perfect day. May my whole being, no matter how tiny, be an embodiment of your eternal, infinite love for souls. Mm -hmm. So, however busy I am, however many people I have to see, however many classes I have to teach, my whole being in gratitude can be an embodiment of your love. See, it's little things like this that make all the difference in the world, Mm -hmm. that actually make the difference between a life of ingratitude and a life of gratitude. Like Mm -hmm. my grandmother, ah, Dio mio, grazie, grazie tanto. Mm -hmm. That's so, yeah, yeah, it takes no, I mean, you could say that on the in the car you can say that on your commute you can say that before dinner yeah right right yeah there's not one place it doesn't fit in throughout your book you mentioned i love this um companions for a grateful life and you've talked about the spiritual masters and what we can learn from them and you mentioned some of my favorites i love saint augustine i love saint Teresa of avila which saint or companion has been your favorite um, of yours on your journey to grateful living Well, there's no doubt that uh, a woman very close to my heart is the 14th century English mystic uh, Julian of Norwich. Mm. Her uh, Christian classic is called Showings, or sometimes Revelations of Divine Love, perhaps because she was an anchoress, which was the word for single woman Mm. in the church. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, She lived in a uh, kind of an anchorage or or two- or three-room cell next to the old church of... uh, St. Julian in uh, Norwich, England, and that's why she had as her name Julian of Norwich. Her life was really challenged at that time. I mean, in in that 14th century period, black death, uh, the plague was everywhere, the Hundred Years' War, and and yet Julian, who uh, had um, a longing for a closer relationship with the Lord, said yes. Uh, to what I identify as uh, single by choice, the call to the single life. So that relationship uh, with Julian has meant a lot to me. But uh, she went through a tremendous uh, period of uh, real physical suffering uh, where she felt almost uh, as if she were on that cross with Jesus. And Mm -hmm. she um, really almost died of the Black Plague, okay? But she came through that. And... uh, she was shown, as she says, these revelations of divine love, that even in the midst of horrific uh, suffering, uh, that one can begin to feel welling up inside oneself a sense of gratitude for how much Jesus did on that cross, that he Mm -hmm. took upon us, each and every one of us, the uh, residue of sin that can result in death. So one has to work through these showings, but as I worked them through, I was stunned by Julian's conclusion. He even talks about the tender, loving, motherly embrace of Christ, even in the worst times of our life. And from Julian, we get these famous words coming to her through this interlocution, Jesus saying through Julian, and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. It's that sense that all will ultimately be well, well with my soul from here to eternity that really inspired me and uh, many um, ways in which Julian had a, a 
knack for writing, full of good and beautiful symbols and images. Like she holds in her hand something as small as a hazelnut. Mm -hmm. And she says, but look at that hazelnut. She's telling the reader, look at that hazelnut. God made it. God loves it. God keeps it in being. And that's where she inspired me to pay attention to little things. Uh, maybe the big moments, uh, they, they come occasionally, great moments, like when you get a diploma or something from college. Right. But what happens if I overlook the hazelnuts? I'm mm -hmm. not going to come as close to God in gratitude as he wishes. So Julian is, is a great inspiration for me, and I actually, I think, meditate on her wisdom in the first chapter of the book. That's so beautiful. I love that, that just the Catholic understanding, the understanding that we we learn about from the saints, we learn about from scripture is so beautiful and rich and grace-filled, grateful living. It's so much more than like being optimistic or you, you point this out in your book. It's not having a Pollyanna attitude. Um, why is no. the Catholic understanding of gratitude so much richer and why shouldn't it just be labeled as, oh, like you're just being like Pollyanna? Well, the Catholic uh, teaching on becoming grateful, on giving thanks always is totally inseparable from the cross. Mm -hmm. See, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine anything less Pollyannish than Golgotha? I mean, uh, there's just no question that uh, Jesus is teaching, and then the example of so many of the masters who suffered, but suffered with joy. Uh, Augustine would be a good example of someone who really tried to play games with God for a long time. And then finally, in that garden moment, uh, heard the voices from a child, and he opens the Bible, and there's Romans, put thee on the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. All that he had associated with what would make him happy, it just went up in smoke at that minute. Mm -hmm. It wasn't uh, his fame as a, a great scholar of philosophy. It wasn't the pleasure principle that he indulged in for a long time. So the uh, masters that people my book are people who uh, are the opposite of a tiptoeing through the tulips and then getting very angry at God mm -hmm. if, uh, you know, the flowers don't bloom when we want them to. I mean, the, the putting together of, of, an, of an Augustine or a Teresa of Avila who uh, was already in mid-age before she was able to say yes fully to God, and then uh, her book of her life is just filled with grateful memories of her uncle and uh, her um, uh, visions that she received of Lord, the Lord's love, building the new little reformed, uh, first reformed convent uh, named after St. Joseph. So mm -hmm. it's this uh, companionship on the journey, as I call it, companions in grateful living from uh, an ancient figure uh, like, uh, let's say, Augustine, to a medieval woman like Julian of Norwich, to a modern um, person who helps us celebrate gratitude, like Father Walter Chizak, mm -hmm. uh, who was in prison for 20 years in a Russian gulag, and yet tells us in the book, He Leadeth Me, what it took for him to finally understand the meaning of the words in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done, and to see them with deep and profound gratitude and to know that the Lord was with him even though it seemed to him that his ministry was over. So truly the the 2,000 year treasury of uh, mystics and masters that we have received in the teaching tradition of the church is just overwhelmingly getting us away from uh, the self 
self-fulfilling prophecies of Pollyannish living mm -hmm. to almost the prophetic ability to, to experience thankfulness to God in the midst of what the world would see as, as sometimes useless suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Therese of Lisieux, 24 years old, fabulously wonderful, brilliant woman, uh, never realizing that she would be named a doctor of the church no more than Teresa of Avila or Catherine of Siena or Hildegard of Bingen could have realized that. Mm -hmm. I hated women in terms of academic life, but deeply taught by the spirit of the living God and all of them uniformly being able to say thank you Jesus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's so much deeper than yeah this happiness we're the secular world just looking for happiness in all the wrong places and for Catholics yeah. it's so beautiful because we've been encouraged to live a life of gratitude from the very beginning it's so good well no question I mean uh, even to think of what the Lord has done for us through uh, the grace of baptism to mm -hmm. give us a chance to repair that dent in our heart from original sin so yes our Catholic Christian faith tradition is so important to uh, keep it by our side especially at when we feel discouraged and disgruntled. Open a book. O open the 21-day retreat that I have in gratefulness and, and go on it and see if at the end of it uh, you uh, are still feeling uh, down and disgruntled. I doubt it. I mm -hmm. mean, you're just in the face of great-souled people yep. who say, hey, there's another way. Yep, yep, that's so true. S Susan, the last question that I ask women who come on the show is one of my most favorites. And how has living a life of gratitude helped you to become more receptive to God's plan for you and his plan for you as a Catholic woman? Well, to be a Catholic woman uh, in today's world, uh, to uh, not fall into a kind of uh, political correctness that is often filled with deep and profound negativity mm -hmm. uh, that, that really uh, scathes people with criticism that they often do not deserve, the contrast to maintaining uh, Catholicity as a, a woman of God, a woman who can really see the hand and the finger of God in the, in the plan that has been laid out in our life, what we've come from, what we've come through, what the Lord may bring us to. But the key word uh, in your wonderful question is receptivity. Mm -hmm. uh, the opposite of receptivity is my way or the highway. Yep. To really be receptive to the little gentle whispers of the Spirit, to the course correctives, no, my dear, I don't want you to go this way, mm -hmm. or yes, my dear, it's going to take courage, but you have to speak the truth. You have to not succumb to the falsehood in which uh, many people uh, recommend that we live, because it's not my way. So honestly, uh, in that receptivity, uh, I, I identify, I think, as many Catholic women do, you know, with our uh, dear Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, that account of the Annunciation in Luke's Gospel is crucial to growing in receptivity to God's plan and having a thankful heart. I mean, just the word, uh, behold. I am the handmaiden of the Lord, this self-identification of Mary, mm -hmm. uh, and then let it be done unto me in accordance with your word. And the word of God is that uh, his son will come among us. And Mary's yes, which was full of courage, the yes of her consent, 
is the is the beginning of our salvation. So we have uh, a wonderful witness in Mary to receptivity to God's plan. And as a Catholic woman, I pray every day for the grace to uh, walk in those footsteps. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Susan, for your time today. Thanks for your just your beautiful example of striving after a, a, an attitude of gratitude, a, a joy-filled life, um, and for writing the book to help all of us continue to strive towards that. And yeah, thanks for your time this afternoon and coming on the show. You're most welcome, and I pray that uh, readers of the book will be not only uplifted and inspired, but will claim uh, their heritage of gratitude. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com, you'll see the show notes for this week's episode, A Letter to the Woman Longing for Gratitude. You'll find Susan's first book with Ave Maria Press, 12 Little Ways to Transform Your Heart, um, where she writes about St. Therese of Lisieux. And you'll also find links to her book that we talked about in today's episode, Gratefulness, The Habit for a Grace-Filled Life. Um, all the resources that Susan and I mentioned in this episode can be found there. If you have time, could you give this podcast a rate and review on iTunes? Um, that helps other women find this resource more, more easily. And then if you want to find out more about joining my Patreon team, where you get behind-the-scenes sneak peeks um, of upcoming episodes, I just started a new, a brand-new behind-the-scenes podcast where each month I discuss letters from John Paul II that he wrote in his papacy, and I shine the feminine genius spotlight on different saints. In May, I discuss on the dignity and vocation of women, and we talk about St. Joan of Arc. If you want access to that podcast, you can join my Patreon team. Find out more at patreon.com slash letters to women. And that's all I have for this week's episode. So until we see each other next time, be not afraid. Thank you.